It's not as I imagined it would be, thinking of it in Boston. Frontier's the only land available to people. Out here, they're beholden to none. As a new land was being carved out of an untamed frontier. Just dropped in to see how you boys is doing. One man, defiantly courageous, stood his ground. I call all our colonial scouts. What in the militia? I ain't your scout. You sure ain't no damn militia. One woman, fiercely independent, followed her spirit. My father warned me about people like you. He said, do not try to understand them. Do not try to make them understand you. Thank you so much. They shared an adventure. It was a war party. That means they're going to be attacking up and down the frontier. That took them from the edge of the wilderness. He saved us. We were alive only because of him. Are those the actions of a criminal? And into each other's hearts. Why didn't you feel when you had the chance? Because what I'm interested in is right here. You've done everything you could do. Thank yourself. I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far, I will find you. Academy Award winner Daniel Day Lewis, Madeline Stowe, the last of the Mohicans. All right, here we are. This is Josh, and this is Ryan, and you're listening to the Unrestricted Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So Josh, you just we were talking off mic about how the last few episodes we've received a couple of unexpected appearances by guests and yeah. that yeah. that would be kind of uncomfortable to have for this episode. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, it, I think we're I don't I don't think we have I'm going to just pray to the heathen gods that we don't have anyone <laughs> show up today. Well, the movie we're going to be talking about, The Last of the Mohicans, um, is kind of about unexpected guests, wouldn't you say? Like the the colonizers. <laughs> oh, gosh. You could call them yes. unexpected guests. Unexpected right? guests. You could say that. Oh, uh, let's get right into mm. it. Um, my grandma had a, a VHS copy in her house, oh. and I watched it by myself, and yeah. I didn't understand a lot of what was going on. I, I didn't understand the historical context. Uh-huh. Of the yeah. French Indian War, um, <laughs> you know that there was a lot yeah. to, to take in there as a kid. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure that the the only thing they added to the director's cut is just an extra three minutes of Daniel Day Lewis falling down a waterfall, because that seemed like it went <laughs> like slow yeah. motion. Well, yeah, he, he he's known for being a method actor. Do you think he really jumped off the waterfall? No, come on. I, you know, maybe you think he did. <laughs> Well, he, never know. he was good in this movie. Um, I gotta be honest with you, though. I found this movie to be just a slog. I didn't think it was that bad, although I don't. I was expecting more of a, I don't know, accent or something from DDL. <laughs> I, I was kind of confused by his accent. So, so he was playing a white man raised by by an Native Americans, tribe. right? The, the Mohicans. The Mohicans, and so. You think that maybe he should have had more of a what? What kind of accent would that be? I don't know. He spoke very good English. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, Man, I don't want to be culturally insensitive in any way. I just yeah. We're, we're gonna, I wasn't sure. You're listening to a podcast with two white guys as your hosts talking about very sensitive subjects uh, in this ep- this episode. 
particularly. So if this if this is a sensitive, I guess, topic to you at all, maybe don't listen well, today. But no, but you know, feel free just, to correct us and and yeah. let us know where we went wrong and you know. Yeah, it's not our intention to offend anyone or, or mislead anyone or any of no, that. No, no, of course not. We're just um, going to talk about the movie and have a little fun. So absolutely. So I mean, this this movie was directed by Michael Mann. Are you, are you familiar with Michael Mann as a director? No, I'm not. Okay. Enlighten me, Ryan. <laughs> well, I like this because you always, you always get to give me the deeper scoop on things that you know I don't really know about as much. I, I, I just found it very interesting because this is very different from all of his other films. Michael Mann is a director mostly known for for crime spree movies or like like thrillers basically like he did the movie heat with robert de niro and al pacino i've heard of it he did the movie collateral with tom cruise and jamie fox and so uh most of these movies miami vice the the remake (laughs) he did miami vice (laughs) yeah very nice the movie uh i don't know if he was involved in the the original series Um, he did the movie manhunter which was a prequel to silence of the lambs Ooh, right interesting um, and so he's known for these more thriller type movies and I, not I, period pieces, right? I couldn't see any of his signature, you know, styling, d- directorial stylings in this movie mm-hmm. at all. It, it was a very, you know, by the book historical piece, which most of these movies are, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. most of these romantic historical epics mm-hmm. are just, they're so <clears throat> samey, like they, they feel the same. I was getting serious Patriot, the Patriot vibes yeah. from this movie. Braveheart. It seems a lot like Braveheart. Yeah. Um, what would you think about the cast of this movie? The cast of the movie, uh, no one really jumped out to me. I, I don't. I didn't recognize anyone other than DDL. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought it was overall pretty well acted. Right. Like Daniel Day-Lewis, like we mentioned, he's a kind of a method actor. He's known for playing uh, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham, yeah, Mr. Lincoln. And he was just a, a badass mofo and There Will Be Blood. That's <laughs> that's on the list if you want to watch it later for this podcast. We'll have to consider that it's one. It's a good one. He's an oil baron in that movie. Nice. And he's ruthless. Um, but yeah, he's known for, I think, you know, Lincoln was a really good movie. Have you seen that one? Yes. it's a, I love that movie. It's great. It's. I mean, if you're speaking of speaking of slow movies, that's a slow, that's a slow ass movie. But I, I don't know. I, fi- I, I, I like historical movies, and yeah, especially as it relates to like um, United States history and things like that. Like interesting. So right, and all of them should be taken with a grain of salt. Um, right, they're all embellished. And, well, not, I mean, this is a, this is fiction. It's not. They're not all going to be historically accurate mm-hmm. when talking about the times. Um, but speaking of Abraham Lincoln. Did you say Abraham Lincoln? I said right? Abraham Lincoln because he gets it on with the babes. With no, the like ladies? Madeline Stowe in this movie, the actress. <laughs> what a babe! Oh, <laughs> yeah. so she's like in her sixties now, but wow, in this movie, she was hot. Send her some fan mail. <laughs> I've got to send Madeline Stowe some fan mail, but uh, yeah, she's known for being in Twelve Monkeys, and she played um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, in a nineteen seventy-eight version of the nativity movie 1978 yeah wow okay um and then one other actor i wanted to mention uh his name is russell means um he played one of the the indigenous characters of the movie Mm -hmm. he's um he's just like a brother no um chingachukuk oh that's his dad i butchered that name 
That's yeah. that's uh, Nathaniel DDL's dad. Hawkeye's dad. Hawkeye? Um, that's uh, Nathaniel's Oh, nickname. they call him Hawkeye. Oh, Hawkeye. Wow. Well, apparently I missed that. Speaking of Hawkeye, did you know <laughs> that um, the character in MASH, Al- Alan Alda's character, mm-hmm. was named after this character? Oh, the 1930s, from the 1936 movie? From the or book. just from the from book? From the book. I'll carry your books, I'll carry a torch, I'll carry a tune. I'll carry on, carry over, carry forward, carry Grant, cash and carry, carry me back to old Virginia. I'll even Harry carry if you show me how, but I will not carry a gun. So I, I did want to touch on Russell Means. He's a Lakota actor. Oh, um, okay. But also, he's just like, in general, a badass. He's an cool. activist. Uh-huh. And um, he participated a lot in the American Indian movement. American Indians are human beings. We are supposed to be citizens of the United States of America. We fought in your wars in other countries. Our Navajo Nation code talkers served and saved this nation in World War II. But let me just go through a list of some of the the badass things that he did. Cool, all right. Is that okay? So, this is from uh, (laughs) Wikipedia, which is always a good source. Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) Always a reliable source, but... I'm going to tell on you to your high school teachers, Ryan. Yeah. So some of the badass things that Russell Means did as an activist. So on Thanksgiving Day 1970, um, he and other activists staged their first protest in Boston where they seized the Mayflower II, which was a replica of the Mayflower. Nice. (laughs) And they were protesting the mistreatment of Native Americans by the U.S. government. Um, 1972, he participated in the occupation of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. 1973, um, he led an occupation of Wounded Knee. and this one was kind of a, a, a dangerous one. Basically, uh, they appeared at, he appeared as a, a spokesman and the leader, and they had an armed standoff of more than 300 Lakota activists with the FBI. Wow. wow. I want that movie right there. Right? That's, that, like, that, that's that, the movie that I want. <laughs> that would go. be a good movie. They should make a movie on, <laughs> based on Russell Means' life. Yeah. Well, what is needed is the knowledge and the wisdom that the earth is a living being. Even the Bible, a male-dominated religion, tells you dust to dust, that we come from the earth. And yet, Christian theology is bereft of anything about the environment. And our sacred grandmother, the Mother Earth, is what it's all about. So... Um, anyways, as we mentioned, this movie was an adaptation, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's been adapted multiple times. Um, if you look on the Wikipedia, this this book, which was written in 1932, has been adapted like 10 times. Like I, I, wow. I didn't count the exact number of times, but there's been so many movies based on, on this book. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably worth a read. Yeah, probably not, though. Probably not. (laughs) Explain, Ryan. So, Michael Mann, the director, um, he stated his feelings on on the book. So, I have here that, according to the director, Michael Mann, his film was based more on the 1936 film version. Oh, okay. And he quoted, he's quoted as saying that Cooper's novel is not a very good book. Because he takes issue with Cooper's sympathy for the Euro, for the Euro-Americans, basically the French and British sides, 
rather than taking sympathy with the Native Americans okay. who are being colonized. Because, you know, I, I do think that this movie does do that fairly well. Right. So, that I, makes sense. I think for its time, in the early 90s, it did a really great job. Um, they did get a lot of support from the different tribes around the area. Mm -hmm. But let's get into that. What, what were your feelings, uh, your initial feelings of the movie? Um, I enjoyed the movie. Slow movies don't bother me a lot. Like... I can I can enjoy a slow burn. Um, there is some action in this movie. There's um, I don't know. I, I found it interesting the dynamic between all the different groups. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I do I do find historical dramas, fiction or nonfiction, I I find them interesting. So I I, I did enjoy the movie. I thought the acting was good. Um, the action was was good. So overall, I thought it was yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Had a lot of action, a lot of violence. A lot of um, violence. Especially toward the end of the movie, there was a lot of... I, I don't know if the violence was necessary, where they had one of the um, indigenous people of the, the Mohawk tribe ripping the heart out of one of the British <laughs> yeah. soldiers. I mean, he did it really fast. Like, I obviously yeah. have never ripped anyone's heart out before, but you'd think <laughs> you'd have to get through some ribs or something. And But it was like slash, slash, and right. pull, and it's there, man. Like Temple of Dune shit right there. Yeah, like I thought he took something from his neck. I, I didn't think it was his heart <laughs> at first. But that was kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know. I, <laughs> did the, how did the love story work for you, Ryan? That was part of, that's part of the movie, uh, right? I mean, these... These kinds of movies, like I said, this this movie was a slog for me, and the romance part was also a slog, just because I feel like been there, done that. You know, I, I I've Fair seen enough. so many of these movies that it seems like they follow the same beats. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's just really for, formulaic. Uh, these war ro romance fair. movies, they they follow the same formula: Braveheart, Patriot, like you mentioned, um, even non-historical movies like Robin Hood. It's, it's almost the same formula. <laughs> yeah. And no matter who the director is, Michael Mann, Mel Gibson, whoever, they, they all follow the same beat. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I'd say that's fair. Um, the movie does end in sort of tragedy. It's not yeah. completely predictable. Um, I mean, so you would expect everyone to survive and run off in a happy ending. But that's not what happens in this movie. True. Who do we have dying at the end? The so we the have sister, the right? brother. So um, Unka. Yeah. Unka, uh, Nathaniel's brother, dies, and then also the younger sister of Nathaniel's love interest uh, dies as well. A Alexandra. Alice is it Alice. Alice. That's Alice. Right. Cora's younger sister. Yes, Cora's sister. Mm -hmm. She dies. She jumps off the cliff. Right. She would rather jump off a cliff than have the other guy's babies so right um so as we mentioned this movie it's a depiction of the the french and indian war mm -hmm. um which really was just for me i mean and this is very just reducing <laughs> a big war into a, a few words but it, for me it really was just a series of battles between two colonial forces it's really just... It's more complicated than that, though, Ryan. <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. But... Okay, so here's the thing. So, yes. Okay, two <laughs> colonial forces, the French and the British, right? Right. But then you have the Native Americans who are stuck sides. in between on, on both, both sides, sides flip-flopping. <laughs> like, it's complicated. And intriguing, right. for me, at least. Right. 
but it, it, it really is like, does this movie try to gain sympathy for the British, for the French, or for the Native Americans, or for well, nobody? So here's the thing, because you see the good and the bad on every side. The French, the British, and the Native American. Sure. So for me, it's not it's not just a movie about the different sides of good versus bad. It's also the good and bad in human nature, in, sure. in humans in at large. Because like I said, you, you see the angles from every group. Right. Um, I just feel like in a lot of these movies that depict the, let's say, the, the American Revolution or colonial times, um, we, we are given a romanticized version of history mm -hmm. and a romanticized version of colonialism and um, genocide. Um, there's a lot to talk about with this movie about um, Na Native American genocide. I mean, the movie itself is called The Last of the Mohicans. Right. Right? And um, there's been articles written about this movie about how, not just this movie, but all the depictions of, of Cooper's book up to and including this movie have kind of allowed for erasure of the, of the Mohican people because it, it kind of continues this, this lie that they died out. Mm -hmm. And that this guy in the movie was the last of the Mohicans. No, no, no. The, there are people. There are descendants still alive today, right? Including one that wrote an article that I found that you know they they feel like they've been their family history has been erased because of this fictional Not, movie, right? Movie. <laughs> Which is really unfortunate, right? So I, it, I, yeah. I think this movie well, does a lot of good, but I I feel like it's far from perfect. Mm. I, I guess that's where my view is. Well, it's hard because you have a fictional movie but that is depicting a time that occurred that did occur in our history. Right. Right? So, so there, there it's were hard to walk that line, you know? It is hard. And especially when you don't have diversity behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they had diversity in front of the camera with a lot of Native American actors and extras. Mm -hmm. But behind the scenes... They had some uh, consultants that were Native American, but, you know, actors, uh, not actors, uh, producers, directors, it's all white people. Right. Right? And so, while they may have great intentions, it may not be the best to have all white people make a, a movie that concerns this, this topic. I hear you. Um, there were talks of remaking this as a series. Um, I'm not hmm. sure if it was going to be an HBO series, but it was going to have the writer of True Detective, the HBO oh. series. Okay. Um, in 2019, uh, when they announced that they were going to make this into a series, uh, Madeline Syatt wrote an article. She's um, uh, a Native American activist. She, she was on Forbes 30 Under 30, um, and she wrote this, which I, I, I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs that she wrote. Okay. Um, the United States government's policies to erase indigenous peoples have ultimately failed, but the myths those policies created are still there, as is the desire to retell stories, like Cooper's time and again. It's time for those storytellers to leave those stories behind and accept that we exist. It's time to tell a different story, a new story, a powerful story, my, a healing story. Uncas, my ancestor, chief of the Mohegans, wasn't the last, and he never will be. He is the reason I am alive today. So, like I was saying, we, we need the, the diversity behind the camera so that the erasure 
of these tribes doesn't continue. You know, they need to tell their own stories. And there are a lot of new series coming out that have diversity behind the camera and I, uh, when it comes to indigenous people. And I find that really great. That's awesome. Yeah, those are poignant words uh, by her, for sure. Yes. Uh, but anyways, well, let's get back to the movie. So what do you think about the score? That was the first thing I wrote down on my notes, actually. <laughs> so, so tell me. From the beginning. Yeah. No, the, as soon as the movie started, I just jotted down a little note that the score is fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I, I remember hearing it. Um, outside of the movie. I, I, I used to listen to just um, CD compilations of movie scores, and I'm sure this was on a lot of those. Uh -huh. I'm sure, yeah. Um, because I, it sounded so familiar. I, I, I know I've heard it before. Um, what about the locations? I mean, just like the... The, the scenery the cinematography was beautiful. Was really yeah. Um, really, the, the forest and the, and, and the streams and things were a big part of the movie, almost like right. a character in itself. I mean, you have the whole scene when they're behind the waterfall and it's and it's I don't know, really well shot and right i think i remember reading that um although the movie takes place in new york mm -hmm. i believe they shot in south carolina either south carolina or south dakota okay to, i believe it's south carolina um the battle scenes as you mentioned were pretty battle epic. scenes were very uh yeah epic entertaining lots um, of action i got a Give some praise to one of the character actors in, in this. There, there were okay. a lot of character actors, right? Mm -hmm. Like those just people that oh, I know that guy. So one of those that guys in this movie was <laughs> was a uh, Pete Postlewaite. Do you know who that is? I don't. So uh, he's a character actor. No, if you saw his face, you, you'd know. You'd go, oh, hey, that guy. <laughs> he was um, uh, the dinosaur hunter in the Lost World, the bald guy. Peter. If you want me to run your little camping trip, there are two conditions. Firstly, I'm in charge, and when I'm not around, Dieter is. All you need to do is sign the checks, tell us we're doing a good job, and open your case of scotch when we have a good day. Second condition, my fee. You can keep it. All I want in exchange for my services is the right to hunt one of the tyrannosaurs. A male, a buck only. How and why are my business? Now, if you don't like either of those two conditions, you're on your own. So go ahead, set up base camp right here, or in a swamp, or in the middle of a wreck's nest, for all I care. But I've been on too many safaris with rich dentists to listen to any more suicidal ideas. Okay. Uh, aside from the things we've already talked about, there are some other themes in this movie that I appreciated. Um, so there's one character who's the British uh, well, captain or lieutenant, um, Duncan. Do you know, Duncan. remember that guy? What a piece Lewis of Duncan. shit. So his story throughout the movie was... Interesting. He is a piece of shit, uh, but I, a, a, a jealous piece of shit. Yes, but I, his interaction with the Daniel Day Lewis character I found really interesting. Yeah, because they're they come from such different um, sides of, of thinking. Yeah. Um. So he is you know very uh, indoctrinated and uh, you know like yeah. in the to the king like and um, war and you have to belong and you have to fight for the king and right. and very patriotic in that way. But then you have the Daniel Day-Lewis character, who's more like living by Rebel. his own rules. Yeah. Uh, and Rebel has without his, a cause. Rebel, yeah. Has his own moral compass. And so their interactions were actually really interesting to me. Yeah. And um, really stood out to me in this movie. Then you're assigned to Fort William Henry. No. Fort Edward, then. 
Heading west to Kentucky. There is a war on. How is it you are heading west? Well, we kind of face to the north and real sudden like turn left. I thought all our colonial scouts were in the militia. The militia is fighting the French in the north. I ain't your scout. I'm sure ain't no damn militia. Yeah, Duncan was a real pathetic loser, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can't, doesn't he kind of redeem himself in the end? Um, Duncan's story is that he's this guy in the British Army, right? And who's in he, love with? Who's in love Cora. with Cora, mm -hmm. the general's daughter, so mm -hmm. like his boss's daughter. Right. Um, at the very beginning of the movie, he proposes to her. Right. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, but please. And he can't take no for an answer. No, you... It, even if you don't love me, it's okay because I'm a good. I I have you know, he position. Me. But like, sorry, dude. If you have to convince <laughs> the lady to like marry you, it's probably not going to work out for you. Yeah. So you know who he reminded me of? Who? The 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 general from Pirates of the Caribbean mm. that was in love with Kara Knightley. Yeah, it's interesting. It's similar dynamic. It's <laughs> very similar. Um. So she says, uh, I guess I'll think about it. And he's like, yes, she's going to marry me. Uh, and But then um, eventually they, let's see, they get ambushed by um, the by the Native American tribe. Um, their guide, you know, turns on them and they get ambushed. Right. Uh, they get captured. Daniel Day-Lewis's character saves them. Right. And then they end up back at the fort. Um, but he's very jealous of, of uh, Nathaniel. DDL's character, yeah, because obviously him and his lady friend Cora have a little bit of chemistry going on from the beginning, and a so bit. well, it, it progresses very quickly. Got fire between them. very quickly, um, so he gets really jealous, and um, but in the end, uh, when um, they're all in peril, they're all, they're all captured. He right. basically sacrifices himself for. Cora, he says, burn me at the stake instead of her. And they yeah. take him off and they burn him at the stake. Yeah. So, I mean, he kind of redeems himself at the end. But he is a loser. Like he. <laughs> Part of me feels that maybe he was thinking, well, if I sacrifice myself, she'll love me. <laughs> but then you'll be dead. <laughs> he didn't think it all the way through. <laughs> He's like, wait. But then she'll go join up with DDL and make lots of babies later. <laughs> so, I don't know. He kind of redeemed himself at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. In a kind of, I don't know. Speaking of being burned at a stake and fire. Yeah, um, man. One of the lines that I liked uh, came from Cora um, when she uh, is talking with Hawkeye. She goes, the whole world's on fire. And that just reminded me of like, or, or it made me think of all the times in history where people thought that the world was ending. Mm -hmm. Right? A lot like... We live in the year 2021 in the midst of a pandemic. There's wildfires ra raging in California. There's smoke coming from those states, California, Oregon, into Utah where we live. The skies are red and unbreathable. And it seems almost like the end of the world sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, throughout history, I, I, I imagine when London was being bombed by mm -hmm. Germany in World War II, I'm sure they were thinking... You know, the, the Blitz, they were thinking, oh, it's the end of the world. Mm -hmm. The whole world's on fire. Are, are we about to get religious, Ryan? <laughs> Am I sensing some religion coming on here? No, I, I okay. just think, 
so my daughter asked me the other day when, um, when the smoke was coming in and, and it was, you know, hard to breathe outside and, and, you know, she's been locked inside this whole time. She asked me, is it Armageddon? Oh, and did you, you didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah. And, and I had to do the dad thing of consoling her mm -hmm. and saying, no, there, these things happen all the time throughout history. Um, there's there's bad things that happen and we just have to make the best of it and it will get better and this was just an interesting line to me um, e even though you know sometimes it, I feel hopeless and despair about that that things will get better you know you just have to especially when you're talking to your child you have to give them some sort of hope and optimism mm -hmm. that things will get better and I, I just think that's an interesting line because that, that that's something that I'm sure lots of people have thought throughout history, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that. Did you have any other themes that this movie brought up that, that you wanted to speak on? Um, yeah, there was, so you read a quote, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share another quote from a movie that stood out to me, and it's um, when Nathaniel and Cora are sort of getting to know each other, and he says... Um, Something to the effect of, well, my father told me about people like you. He said that you're a breed apart and you make no sense. <laughs> that I shouldn't try to understand you and I shouldn't try to make you understand me. Right. Um, and I just thought back to the way that our podcast, like our the, our point of view from this podcast and for me personally is yeah. uh, me experiencing new things that I never was able to experience before to watch movies that were quote-unquote restricted to me. It made me think like, when I was fully indoctrinated in the church, like Duncan, uh, <laughs> you know, like Duncan, uh, I literally could not understand why it was a big deal. Uh, why was it, why is it a big deal that I don't watch rated R movies yeah. and participate in other things that I felt like were evil or unholy or would send me to hell or whatever? Um, to me, it was just like a sacrifice that I made and it wasn't a big deal and I didn't know what I was missing and I, it was like, whatever. Right. And, and I literally couldn't understand other people's points of view, the way that Duncan's character in this movie cannot understand why DDL's character doesn't fight under someone else. Like right. he fights for himself. Right. You were a bird in a cage. I was a bird. In, uh, yeah. I was a bird in a cage. Things. Yeah, sure. Um, so that, that brought that to mind and, and sometimes you get, when you get so deep into it, you literally cannot understand other people. For sure. I have quite a lot to Go say ahead. about the specific religion we came from, uh, the Mormon religion, as it relates to indigenous people. Shall we oh, get into shit. it? Shall we get into it? There's a lot. Are you, do you have? Do we have the time to go over all of Will it? Will we right? go over all of it? No. Okay. But I think we should at least hit some of the, the main enough. bullet points. Do you want to talk about Mormonism and uh, Native Americans? Yikes! Like you say, <laughs> we don't have weeks to to go on record. Well, about let's this, so we'll, we'll just talk about. Why don't we talk about the, some of the scripture? Yes. Of Mormonism. So let's talk about the Lamanite narrative in the Book of Mormon. All right, so Lamanites were rivals of the Nephites, and they were more wicked than the Nephite tribe, according to Book of Mormon lore. Mm -hmm. And they lost favor with God and were cursed with a, uh, quote, skin of blackness. Mm -hmm. They were no longer fair and delightsome. And what was it? White, white and delightsome. Right. Uh, th these are words directly taken from the Book of Mormon, from written by Joseph From Mormon Smith. scripture. 
And so they were cursed with the skin of blackness, quote unquote, so they would, quote, not be enticing, unquote, to the Nephites. So basically Mormons, the LDS Church, they believe the descendants of the, of the Lamanites to not only be Native Americans, but also Polynesians, mm -hmm. uh, people in Central America, mm -hmm. and people of the Caribbean, indigenous people of the Caribbean. Yes. When I served a mission in the Dominican Republic, you were teaching the Lamanites, we right? We were told to teach, to bring the gospel to the Lamanites. Right. And even teach them that they were Lamanites. Well, talk about false narratives of indigenous people, Ryan. Yeah. And perpetuating untruths, myths. And it was perpetuated for so long, uh, all the way back to the earliest days of the church, back to the days of Brigham Young. Um, Mormons often raised Native American children in their homes. So leader Brigham Young ad advocated buying children held by Native Americans and Mexican traders as slaves, then freeing them from slavery and encouraged Latter-day Saints to educate and acculturate the children as if it were their own. Mm -hmm. That was back in the days of Brigham Young. That then turned into the program which was called the Indian Placement Program. Have you heard of this? I, I have a vague understanding of it, but it's, I would love to hear more. I have a very embarrassing tie to this as my dad's family actually participated in this program. Oh. So my dad comes from a, a family of 12 siblings and they participated in this program called the Indian Placement Program, also known as the Lamanite Placement Program. How nice, right? It operated from the years 1954 to 1996. Really? Wow. Now, it was mostly popular in the 60s and 70s. Okay. But it was still around up to still around up until 1996 was when it was officially dissolved. Yeah, this is new information for me. So basically what this program did is um, <coughs> it placed Native American students who were baptized into LDS members' homes who were predominantly white, and they would then go to predominantly white schools. And they were indoctrinated and told to um, aggre aggregate themselves into the culture, basically. Okay. Right? Um, so yeah, my I, I, I didn't get a lot of information from my dad about this. It's probably a subject that he tries to avoid talking about. But his family fostered um, a Native American child for at least some time. I'm not sure how long the duration was. And they participated in this program. He hasn't kept in touch or at, and you've never no. met this person or... I actually, I, I didn't find out about it from him. I found out about it from a newspaper article that featured my grandparents and oh. saying a local Magna family <laughs> takes part in this program. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's a long, sad history. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, we're obviously not going to be able to give you a, a full historical context and it, all of the information out there. So I, mean, I would encourage... If anyone ever listens to this podcast, I would just encourage you to go do some research. If this is a topic that interests you yeah. or upsets you, uh, go do some research from some you know solid, good sources and get some more information about it. Right. There's so many just horrible things that I'm not even going to talk about, such I as mean, the, the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Mm -hmm. uh, that was you know basically blamed on the, the Native Americans. Um, and um, not just that, but you can kind of tie 
the church's views on, on the Native American people and the quote-unquote skin of blackness to withholding the keys of the priesthood from black members and members of, of color mm-hmm. um, up until 1978. Right, although that only applied to people of African descent, right? Or wrong. I don't know. Do your research. Apparently we don't know well. <laughs> My understanding was, was that the Lamanites were okay, but if you were of African descent, like the seed of Cain, then you were not allowed. Yeah. So that's a downer. <laughs> Sorry to bring Sorry. the podcast down. The, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what this podcast is. You know, we, we come from a specific background and and um, and we're watching these movies and trying to relate it to, to our, our known histories. Right. Um, but anyways, you always come with uh, an interesting question or... I or, do at the end. Yeah. I don't have one this time, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> This has been a real downer episode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, we're sorry. Um, if, I don't you're, know. if you're feeling depressed, seek some professional help. <laughs> All joking aside, we're not gonna, I don't want to joke about anyone's mental health. Yeah. Other than my own. No, but um, talking about historical epics, what period of history would you like to see be made into a movie? Haven't they made everything? You, you would think, but... <laughs> Um, well, I'll say this, um, one of the most intriguing here, uh, historical periods for me is the Cold War, so anything Cold War, like, AIDS, like, I, lo- I really like, I really enjoyed the movie Argo, like, yeah. that kind of thing, so, that's my, one of my favorite historical period movie genre type things nice. to watch. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna piggyback on top of that and say, yeah, like, I, I love the Cold War, and I, I think a, a movie based on the Cuban Missile Crisis, like, set in Cuba. Oh, like, yeah. Like, from, from maybe Castro's like, point of view, or from oh, maybe... I was going to say, like, X-Men, Days of Future Past, or... <laughs> and we know, we know that mut- was historically... Was JFK a mutant in that one? I don't remember. Damn it. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't Mystique and... Wasn't, didn't she cause the Cuban Missile Crisis Oh, or God. Sorry, that one's already been made, Ryan. A- aliens are going to find that movie and just be like so confused. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> Goodbye, humans. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's rate this movie. Rate the movie. Okay. Um, what am I going to give this movie? I'm going to give it a three golden idols out of five. Okay. So it's like a B movie. I I don't know. I did enjoy the movie though. I, it's kind of a hard one to go higher. To you can go higher. I might say I'm gonna give it a three and a half. I'm gonna bump it up a little bit. Um, like all the things we talked about already, the different points that it had going for it. There was the um, the action. The acting was was well done, and I I personally enjoyed the story, even though maybe it was a little bit of a slow a slow burn for for you, Ryan. I enjoyed it. I'm gonna give it a three and a half golden idols. Fair enough. Okay. I'm going to go lower on this. I did not enjoy this movie as much as you did. Um, like I say, I, I don't think I'll be watching this one again. <laughs> it's all good. And next week we're going to watch Dances with Wolves. No, um, we're not. Sorry. No. I, I have a no, recommendation no for, for our next pick. Okay. Um, Sorry well, to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you're okay. I'm going to give this one... You know, it was well made. You know, everyone was doing their part. The acting was good. The directing was good. The music I was probably the best thing yeah. I liked about this movie. The love I'll, story, me. I'll give it two and a half. Um, I was going to give it a two, but I bumped it up because of the score. Um, Fair enough. It's just not for me. Um, 
and like I said before, it, it tries to be historically accurate in regards to the French-Indian War conflicts, mm -hmm. but um, I, I do think that they could scale the sympathies a little bit more, more against, the, against the colonial forces. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. But, yeah, fair that's... Enough. Yeah, you're fair. So, uh, I, I have a question. I do have a question for you, though, sure. after talking about that. So... Um, is there a movie of this genre or type that you like that you, that you like much more than this movie that you think is more well done, or is it just the genre in general? I think it it is just the genre in general. Um, genre. <laughs> genre. <laughs> that, that song, twister. Genre in general. Uh, genre in general. Ja ja Gabor. Um, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, it's it's the genre. I, I just think all these movies are so formulaic. I, I don't see anything original coming mm -hmm. out of this genre. So uh, another movie that takes place during a similar time is The Revenant. Okay. So, but I, I'm curious, do you probably I, like that I, one I, more I, I want to place it in the same, like it is a historical epic, you could say, mm -hmm. but it, it's not like a war romance movie. Yeah, I don't think there's any romance in that movie, is there? Well, unless you count the bear? Leo and the Bear. Leo and the Bear? <laughs> yeah. They she gets the better of Leo that. and the Bear. And made it a romance movie. <laughs> or a rom-com. I, I would watch a rom-com called Leo and the Bear. Yeah, well, just thought I'd throw that out there. Except the bear's kind of a domestic abuser. That's not fair, man. <laughs> anyway. Um, speaking of incredible violence and gratuity, shall we choose our next movie? Yeah, and you said you had an idea for the next one? I believe that our next podcast is probably going to be releasing at the beginning of October. Yes. So time to do some horror. So I would recommend that we choose a horror movie. Okay. I have the horror list pulled up here. Ah, yes. So you're going to give me some options? They're sorted by popularity. Sorted by popularity. Now, the first two you um, see on the list, I would recommend... Reverse that. order, yeah. The, I can see. The first two on the list I would recommend as a double feature. A double feature? Because they're sequels. Okay, sign me up. We're going to do The Shining and Doctor Sleep. Okay, The Shining and its sequel, Doctor Sleep. Yes! Yes. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. I do have a little bit of background knowledge about The Shining. I've seen Jack Nicholson's face, you know, poke out through the door. I know the, you know, here's Johnny thing. So All right. that'll give me somewhere to start. And... There have been lots of podcasts done about The Shining. Uh -huh. There's been documentaries done about The Shining. Just because there's, you know, Stanley Kubrick. People look into his movies uh, with kind of a conspiratorial lens. Uh -huh. Well, it's a cult classic. <laughs> yeah. But they, they think there's meaning where there is none. <laughs> oh. Okay. But, you know, it'll be interesting <laughs> to watch both of them. So I'm cool. excited for that. Um, but until then, uh, this has been the Unrestricted Pro Podcast. <laughs> Oh my god, I, I need to go to bed. I'm drunk. I'm Ryan. And Josh. Thanks, guys. See you next time. We've taken a land which is rightfully ours. Years from now, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes on reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. We will sell our bracelets by the roadside. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stitches. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims. And for all these reasons, I've decided to stop you and burn your village to the ground.
today by the film industry. Excuse me. And on television, in movie reruns, and also with recent happenings that wounded me.